different places around the world, and this is one of them. So we thank God for what God is doing here. The facility looks great. And I noticed church to church to church. I think it's really honorable to, uh, you know, worship the building, but it is the house of God. And to take care of it all around, inside and out, very, very nice. We were here years ago when uh, Tom and Alex Ferry were here, and I think we spoke at a Valentine's banquet deal. And since then, you've really done things that look really, really nice. Um, worship band, fantastic. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. I was a wannabe musician, and when I quit trying, everyone said, Hallelujah. I'm not going to be tormented by him anymore. So, worship band, wonderful. And uh, to be here with you guys and, and your pastor and family is a treat. So, Tom and Alice uh, got saved while they were at the University of Madison and came to, to uh, what was then Lake City Church, got married there, and uh, a while back, or I mean, after a while, he came back to be our college and career pastor, and he went up to Boston, Minnesota, and then down here, and now he's back in Madison doing a great job. It's thrilled. And I think we could say, without exaggerating, proud of what he and, and uh, Alistair are doing there with their staff in the kingdom of God. So it's good. It's good to be a Christian and good to serve God. All right. I can barely see the clock. Old eyes, but I think it says quarter of ten. No. <laughs> ten fifteen. Now, I would ask, how long does your pastor preach? How long does he preach? <laughs> and that would be my joke. My joke is if I preach shorter than the pastor, I may get invited back. <laughs> Readings from my wife, and uh, we have three kids, <clears throat> Renee, three, and Garth, and they're all at around 50 or above, so I can't imagine. I don't feel that old myself. But what's going to do? Time slips by. God is good. And uh, is always good, and one day we'll be ageless in heaven. So, greetings from them. Uh, we now live in Rancho Mirage, California, right next to Palm Springs, <coughs> primarily, and in fact, because Donna has fibromyalgia, and uh, the dry, hot, sunshiny weather is like a ton. Back here in the Midwest, especially in the winter, it's just a kill for her. And, and so, we're much, much happier back there. We're spending most of the summer in Madison, Wisconsin, staying in my father-in-law's condo with him. He has been very active and very alert. He's 93 and just beginning to go downhill. And it's sad to be there and see his memory sometimes slipping and a handful of medications morning, noon, and night. And we don't know if he'll make it through the summer or not. But I'm traveling here and there, speaking and back there, and we're with him, so it's good. We're glad to gather around. This morning, I would like to speak on something I've never heard anybody speak on. We'll see how it goes. A theology of suffering. A theology of suffering. And I want to deal with three things. First of all, consideration of suffering. Secondly, we're supposed to celebrate suffering. How did all joy? And thirdly, how do we comprehend this thing? Suffering. Now, if you have never suffered, I want to meet you at the church. Because I think everyone goes through suffering, one kind or another. And there is something that God is saying to us in suffering. All right. In John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, to paraphrase the first couple of verses, 
they're walking along, and the disciples see a blind man. And they say to Jesus, Who's sin? The man? Or his parents? Somebody's got to sin. He's blind. Have you ever seen someone bent over with pain, going through financial crises, going through divorce, having some problem, or young people being bullied, or young teenagers dating and they get dumped and it's the end of the world? Puppy love is cruel, I remember. And we can't help but think, who did wrong? That they're having this bad time. I wonder if they sinned. I wonder if they're disobeying God. Well, the disciples said to Jesus, Who sinned? It's easy to jump to conclusions. But Jesus said, Neither parents nor him sin. Sometimes we go through suffering, and it's not because we sin. Can be. We have loved to take mission trips in different countries of the world. I was on one by myself in uh, Liberia, West Africa, in the fall of 1983. I was there five weeks. Came back before Christmas, and I brought back with me a fever, a fever that was raging in my body. I ended up in the hospital early 1984, and all our best doctors in Madison and university doctors and so on couldn't find what it was. And they told Donna, he's dying. I felt like I was dying. Raging fever. We don't know what to do. We can't help him. We've done every test we can think of, tested everything, and he's dying. Well, later I told her, next time marry for money, not good looks. <laughs> and God raised me up. That's a long time ago, 1984. So I know what it is to face death. During that time in the hospital, we believe in prophecy, we believe in the tongues, interpretation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Someone stood up in the church and said, Pastor Heckman is living in sin, and let's see he fans, he's going to die and go to hell. I wasn't there, but they told me. <laughs> Our oldest pastor on staff that works with the older people jumped up and said, I rebuke that. That is not from God. Oh, you are a gentleman and a scholar. Look at that. And there are a few of us left. <laughs> now, see, I could have been. It could have been. It could have been sin that, that brought on my suffering and, and facing death. Fortunately, it wasn't. And after a long time, and in the hospital, God stepped in. So, I want to say right up front, though I'm talking about suffering, I believe in healing. And I have been healed when they gave me up to die. Everyone in our family, all five of us, have faced things that the doctors couldn't cure. Just a couple of three years ago, Donna had a situation and needed to have x-rays and then with the MRIs and everything else, and the radiologist told her, you have liver metastasized, so when cancer gets that far, you have a very short time to live. I was in New York preaching. She called me and told me this. We were living in southwest uh, Chicago, helping the church. We had resigned from Madison after 34 years, and she was absolutely broken up. So she's there all by herself. It's winter, I think it's January, and, and she wanted to get up to Madison to be comforted by our daughters. So he jumped on our little 2005 Honda Accord and it's heading down I-80 to the west, then going north on, uh, what is it, 30 something, 5 or 6 or 7? We're going up to Rockford, non up to Madison, and she's sobbing her eyes out. Her eyes are swollen and 
and, and tears will come all down on her face, cheeks, chin, blouse, and she looks in the rearview mirror and she sees red and, red and blue white flying. And she's thinking, oh, some poor sucker. Finally, the policeman caught up with her. He pulled over. It was bitter cold and snowing, and he came up to the window and said, You know, it's so cold. Why don't you come back, sit in my car, we'll leave it running, bring your cell phone, bring your purse, and so on. And to make a long story endless, no, to make a long story short, he finally pulled, he could see she didn't all of a sudden start to cry and hope that, that it would change his mind. She'd been sobbing. Finally, inch by inch, he pulled out of her the story. And what did your husband know? He said, Pastor, well, where is he? New York. What's going on? She finally told him. And then he said, Ma'am, do you know how fast you're driving? I have a clue. So we'll look at the radar, 150. <laughs> I didn't know that Honda Ford would go that fast. And he said, at 105, you have to go to jail. That's the law here. He clicked it down to 104 and said, well, I have to go to court. So I just want to go up to see my girls. I'm just, I'm dying. I won't get to see my kids grow up. I won't get to see my grandkids grow up. I won't see, she never said anything. I won't get to see my husband. I said, what is this? He said, okay, I need to collect some money and we need to set a court date. So later she called the court and talked to a uh, secretary and he had written on the ticket a bunch of stuff. And the secretary said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. And almost 10 minutes went by and the secretary came back and said, well, ma'am, uh, we're dismissing the charges. We're sending back the two hundred dollars. No points off your license. You're okay. I'd still be in jail. <laughs> well, she didn't die. And later on, either God had healed her or a different doctor and new MRIs. There was no such thing as liver cancer. I believe in healing. Our youngest daughter, I mean, our oldest daughter, Renee, who's now fifty-three, when she was about eight or nine, had these horrible sores, scabs, like chickenpox or smallpox. We took her to his counselor, and he named some Latin term, and he said, this is incurable. We'll prescribe a strong stab that you can put on so she doesn't itch so much because she itches and itches and itches, and then it leaves a big scar. She still has a few scars. And she stepped out of the bathtub, this little girl, and Donna wrapped her in a blanket and just got some <laughs> devil. She just found a person, the devil, and fits the zines and fits the... She got it. Our other daughter, three, just two years younger, had petite mall seizures, you know, the, the epileptic thing. Just break, broke our heart. She was five, six years old. And boy, did we call her down. God healed her. God healed. I believe in healing. And God, oh my goodness, we could be here all day. I was telling God what he's going through. He's like a cat of nine lives. Broke his neck up there at Sandy Lake Camp in 1983, or the Halo Braves. But in a car accident following that, in a construction accident following that, he just goes on. He's litany. And most recently, colon cancer and liver cancer. Well, the oncologist gave him a few years to live. And but he just had his third, uh, three years, and, you know, exams all the time and, and uh, MRIs all the time. They said we can find no cancer. Okay, I'm talking about the theology of suffering because we aren't all we feel. If you are, that's amazing. 2009, another trip in Africa, several countries, got to Uganda, and uh, a big conference there. I was one of several speakers, and I was taking a shortcut down this little mountain to the chapel, a large church, and I slipped. My feet were not underneath me, and I 
land it on my rear, and I hit it down about 15 or 20 feet, just quite steep. Boom! Hit the path below, and my back was just turning. And I looked at my right leg, my right foot, and my foot's going backwards. Not good. A week in the hospital there, not good. Came home with an Africa staph infection, could have killed me. Not good. Now the staph infection got cleared up by the post capsule size pill, but I'm still living with pain day and night. And uh, talking with Ashley's wife, I'm scheduled this fall to have a whole new ankle. Replaced. If it doesn't work, maybe I'll be a blade runner. <laughs> so, I, I have studied this especially. Now, the last 10 years, our family has gone through it. And I have searched my heart. We have searched our heart. We have cried out to God. As far as I know, there's not sin that's causing this. As far as I know, there's not unbelief causing this, causing this, or disobedience causing this. But in our greater family circle, in the last 10 years, we've faced adultery, addictions, arrest, death, drugs, divorce, depression, financial crises, all kinds of law. And as I just mentioned, Barton is about to answer Poland and then deliver. Why? Look at some scriptures. Look at some scriptures. Psalm 6. First couple of verses. Be gracious, O Lord, for I am pining away. Ooh, I, can, I can identify with that. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed. They are in agony. I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I don't know what happened to my body from all of this. But some nights I wake up soaking wet. Change my clothes, go back to bed, turn the pillow over. I, I don't understand this. This is not something that's going to kill me. And yet, the Liberian fever was killing me. And they didn't do anything medically. They didn't even give me an aspirin. Because they wanted to keep checking my symptoms. And God healed me. And I, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm very thankful. You should heal me of drip uh, <coughs> drip. What is it here? Allergies. Allergies. Okay. So I identify with songs. Now we can have all kinds of suffering. All kinds of suffering. We're hearing a lot nowadays about kids being bullied. It's terrible. It's terrible. Garth was coming home from school. We lived in Madison all those years. He was maybe second grade. And he'd come home crying. He was always big for his age. Takes after um, Donna's dad, big. Broad, tall. And what's wrong? Well, that kid who's in the fourth grade beats up on me. And I was a good pastor, father. I said, What can you ever see? Night after night, I'm all crying. One night I lost it. I said, If that kid gets after you tomorrow, please clock. Now, what should I say? Well, you've turned your cheek many times now. Yes, when I walked off, I didn't know what to say. And I'm telling you the truth, I wasn't usually home when he came home from school. He down said he walked in and took care of that kid. Never come from kid. I didn't ask to take care of that kid. He did. But this older kid, upper grade, took care of that kid. We can suffer at all ages. 
all kinds of suffering, mentally, psychologically, emotionally. We can suffer financially. We can suffer in a bad marriage. I mean, I'm, I've been in this long enough to know there are a lot of single people that want to be married. There are a lot of married people who should be single. It's both ways. And nobody maybe knows the anguish they're going through. Suffering, suffering, suffering. I mean, man, we consider suffering of all kinds. I think the first girl I dated, I was probably 15, back in the country, Nebraska, we drove all over on the farm. We had 14-year-old license to drive to school and back because we didn't have school buses of the dark ages. And um, so this first Janie, I just knew we were going to be married. Had a lot of kids. We went happily ever after. After about the third date, she said, Warren, take a hike. I almost died. And I thought, well, I'm never dating again. This is your people. I'm certainly not going to get married. Well, this five and a half years ago, we got married. It's working out pretty good. Suffering, 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 suffering. It happens. We suffer. And because, maybe because I'm Pentecostal, I'm charismatic, I believe in healing. I've been healed with emotions of things that you don't get healed. The doctors can't do anything. So sometimes maybe we're embarrassed. Now, in the last two, three years traveling, I've been prayed for by young and old and rich and poor and black and white. And, you know, it's the charismatic style. Shake you and spit in your face and yell, Be healed! And I would say that. Well, I did say it, but Matthew. But anyway, I pray morning after morning. I'm a candidate, Lord. You are almighty. I believe in healing. And I get up and I hobble around. So I told the Lord after three and a half years, I'm going to do the medical route and get a new, get a new ankle. I hope you don't hate me for all these dumb jokes. Uh, Psalm 34. But the, uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And I say, well, I believe that. Many are our afflictions. Job said, man's born to trouble like sparks fly upward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But when? I'm, I'm ready now, Lord. I was ready three years ago. I'm ready. I'm ready. It says in uh, Hebrews 6, Whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. He chases. Haven't I had enough? <laughs> Haven't I had enough? It says in 2 Corinthians 1, the first few verses, We suffer so that we can comfort those who suffer. Lord, I'm tired of comforting other people. <laughs> comfort me. Like, even and I'm not bitter against the Lord. Man, serving God has been the greatest thing in all the world. But I do have questions. I do have questions when I consider suffering. Garth has gone through colon surgery and uh, and then horrible chemo. I suppose it's the power according to how bad the cancer is. And then a short while later, liver cancer. And they took out of the liver and uh, then, again, the chemo is, is strengthened according to how bad the cancer is. And uh, he's big and strong and it's always worked out. His oncologist said, you're the, as a patient, you're in better shape than anybody I've ever had. He said, you have everything going for you that you can possibly have going for you. You're in tip-top shape physically. Secondly, you're a pastor. You have faith. Thirdly, your family has come to support you and walk through this with you. And fourthly, you have an insane sense of humor. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. Well, 
he was losing his hair. You know how it comes out in patches. And his face was ash and green. His eyes were glassy and kind of something. And the guy came up to him. He didn't know. He said, hey, man, what's wrong with you? You look kind of bad. And Gar said, yeah, and whatever. Age of cancer and tumor. He said, oh, I understand. I have a cold. He said, I want to get him. You have a cold? And a week, and it, you know, you the cold, and a week, you're fine. I don't know if I'm going to live. Well, he said, some time went by, and another guy walked up at him, and he said, hey, hey, buddy, what's wrong? You look tough. I said, you the death that guy. He said, I've got cancer, do you? And they commiserated, and they shared their story, and where they're at, and their, their percentages of chance to live. Now, We've all heard the term Job's comforters. Well, it comes right out of the Bible. Job 16, verse 23, to, to put it together. Job said, Sorry, comforters, you are. Is there no limit to your windy words? Windy words. It, it's, a good, it's a good cue to us when somebody's really suffering, no matter what it is. Be careful and cautious in what we say. We say something kind. Not putting them down, not condemning them, not insinuating like the disciples said, who's sinning? But to put an arm around somebody and just show your love. Whether it's money problems, marriage problems, or whatever it is, physical problems. You see, I've grown up in this all my life. All my life. Uh, you know, our fellowship of churches and church, and in the early years, we had a lot of, we had a lot of, uh, let's just say loopy ideas, baloney ideas, not based on scripture, but but we have them. And, and I remember growing up, I, I don't think it was preached, but somehow I picked this up as a young person. Uh, if you're poor, you're probably spiritual. If you're well to do, you're probably common. If it's a guy, you're handsome, well, you're just trying to be sexy. And a woman, if you're pretty, you're just flirtatious. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense. There's no truth in any of that. And as we grew up, uh, we were basically taught to go to a doctor with this thing. I hope none of you had to put up with that, because going to a doctor was a sin. You either got healed, you suffered, or you died. That's three things. And yet, as I'm coming from 9 to 10 to 12 in my early teens, I'm looking around, and all kinds of people in our little church and friend Nebraska have glasses. That's going to an eye doctor. And all kinds of people had hearing aids. That's going to a hearing aid specialist. And all kinds of people had gone to the dentist. That's a doctor. And all kinds of people went to chiropractors straighten out for the back. But not a medical doctor. So sometimes, and I don't say this super critical, just a little critical, but <laughs> the way we were brought up. Now, I think probably the greatest hindrance to healing today is good health insurance. Because we just have it paid for. And rather than fast and pray and ask God for healing, we just get it all taken care of. I'm getting off track. <laughs> suffering. Suffering. When we consider suffering, there are more questions sometimes than there are answers. I have a lot of questions. I have been blessed and praying for people, and they've been healed. I have been blessed; people pray for me, and I've been healed. 
And still, there are questions. Now, moving on to number two point, celebrate suffering. Sometimes, if it's not too bad, we can pull it off. But other times, not so much. Celebrate suffering. James chapter 1, and also 1 Peter chapter 1. There are some verses that are, that are hard to practice. James chapter 1, where is it? Um, James chapter 1, verse 2, 3. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, endurance uh, affects you, and finally, if you don't know what to do with this, ask, if you like, we can ask. And certainly when we're suffering, we ask, Lord, what's going on? Help us. Then on down to verse 12, blessed is a man who who perseveres under trial. But once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, verses 6-7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we put those two passages together. We are to rejoice. We're to celebrate fiery trials. That's not easy. I've been working on that, especially since September 2009. I live with pain. Pain makes me ornery, aggravated, crabby, cantankerous. I'm mean. I hope I'm not. But you know, it doesn't work on you. And pain makes you tired. I have been all my life blessed with energy enough for three people. My wife would tell me, you are abnormal. I'm not trying to show off. It just is what it is. And she would say, your staff, half your age, can't do what you do. You are crazy. Get up and go. Get up and go. Get up and get up. I, just, I love the ministry. I just got up early and went out. But pain wears on you. Any kind of pain. It just nags at you. But we're to count it all joy. Count it all joy. What does this mean? Psalm 25. I am lonely and afflicted. The trouble of my heart, they are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Bring me out of my distresses. Now, when you're going through a hard time, it usually doesn't help to tell anybody. At least I've learned, if, I, if, if I'm telling somebody my suffering and my problem, half the people could care less. Oh, does that right? We should get through. And the other half are saying, huh? Finally getting what he deserves. <laughs> So, one or two good friends can help support our heart and say, you know, I don't understand this. I really need your prayer. I'm going through this difficult time. Whatever area of life it might be. Job said in chapter 30, verse 20, I cry out to you, Lord, for help, but you don't answer me. Ever been there? Heaven is like grass. And all of a sudden, we're asking God for something, and it's like a prayer just back back. And it's not necessarily because we've sinned or disobeyed or not, not believing. There are times like that. The old ancient divines call it um, something. That's what it was. 
the dry. Help me out. Tough times, was it? Pretty tough. They knew what it was. These men of God that wrote books that still changed people today. Periods when you just keep slugging on. And then there's a breakthrough. Ultimately, okay. Job says, I cry out to you, Lord, for help, but you don't answer me. Wow. I, I often read Psalm 137. It's, it's a help. Psalm 137, where Israel has been captured. Babylon. Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Upon the willows, in the midst of it, we hung our hearts. But there, our captors demanded of us songs, and our tormentors demanded mirth, saying, Sing to us one of the songs of Zion. Now it says in Hebrews 13, that we're to bring to the Lord a sacrifice of praise. And I've discovered sometimes when I go to church, even with a great worship team, I am singing a sacrificial song of praise. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like thanking God. I'm hurting. I can't even stand through the whole thing, uh, song service, the whole thing service, uh, because of pain. I am offering a sacrifice of praise. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. No matter what, God, you are worthy. So I want to celebrate. I want to <laughs> be joyful, even in trials. Okay, moving on. How do we comprehend all this? How do we, how do we put it together? If we study the key leaders in the Bible, almost all of them went through some kind of suffering. In Peter, James, and John, Paul, uh, Barnabas, in the Old Testament, the prophets, the leaders, experienced suffering of one kind or another. So, in today's world, 2014, God is not particularly picking on us. We're, we're no different. And I have my eyes focused on now so much. I forget about eternity. I have my eyes focused on right now. Making my house payment, paying my car payment, buying the groceries, keeping on top of it financially, keeping on top of it physically, keeping on top of it for my kids and my grandkids and great-grandkids. But I, I have to remind myself, this is a brief passing moment. Eternity is ahead of us. Eternity is ahead of us. And God is somehow preparing us for eternity. And He tells us, we, tells us to rejoice even in fiery trials. Now, these are two simple everyday illustrations about suffering, perhaps. Down in the earth, I understand. Three simple definitions. Down in the earth, years and years ago, carbon and heat and pressure and more heat and more pressure, and time went by, and you either had coal or diamond. Wow. I faced heat and pressure in my life. Now, coal is, you know, is some value, but not like a diamond. You, you, can, you can see the difference between men and women. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Dogs are a boy's best friend. <laughs> Heat and pressure externally. And we can think of the, of the pearl that's formed in a little oyster swimming around in the ocean. And a piece of sand or something gets inside of it. And it's irritating, it's hurting, and it could kill it. But the oyster, I don't know if you even think about it, it begins to secrete some kind of fluid. And it encircles that 
that little uh, piece of sand. And in time, there's a beautiful pearl. And at least in days gone by, a string of pearls were pretty expensive. And something to really be desired by, by ladies. So, that's inward. And the diamond is from the outward. Is God trying to turn us into diamonds? Is He trying to work us through irritation to become a pearl, a pearl of great price, if you please? Well, I want to close with the illustration of two difficult people. How do we comprehend this thing, suffering? I would take us back to Job. Job, the book of Job, has meant a lot to me the last ten years. I've read it and reread it. The book of Job. And if you remember the first chapter and the second chapter, it's, it's a dialogue. Dom ushers in all the angelic beings and they're having a meeting. All of a sudden, here's Lucifer, the devil. And God says, what are you doing here? Oh, I don't know if we have an answer to that. What you been doing? Pets in the whole earth. And so God says, have you noticed my, my godly servant, Job? And the devil says, oh, yeah. Well, he serves you. And the devil says, well, of course he serves you. You have blessed him with one of the richest men in the world. Take away his wealth and he'll curse you. And God says, all right, we'll have a little contest. You can take away everything, but don't touch him. In no time, he loses his family. He probably wishes he'd have lost his wife. Anyway, his cattle, his livestock, and everything, he is stripped down to nothing. And he doesn't curse God. He doesn't understand it. He, he's dialoguing with God, and he's very unhappy. So, I don't know how much time goes by, the Bible doesn't say. God's having another meeting with angelic beings, and up comes Satan. And God says, see, 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 Job is still serving me. He hasn't cursed me. And Satan says, well, he's still healthy. Touch him physically and he'll curse you. And God doesn't seem to even have to wait to hesitate. Okay? Do what you want. You can't take his life. And all of a sudden now Job has these horrible, horrible boils. Horrible boils. Now, during World War II, before most of you were born, <laughs> we had all the rationing. Anybody here go through the rationing back then? Oh, good, at least one companion over there. And they said it was because of the artificial sweetener, we got boils. Boils on the farm in Nebraska. And those boils, <clears throat> I won't illustrate other places like other places, but like on your arm, this boil would get bigger and bigger and come to a head, and it was excruciating. And I don't know who told my mother, but she would take, you know, then it was a hard glass jar. Like you get Coca-Cola in a, what, a two liter or something. And heat it in hot water, boiling water. And then take it out and put the, the opening on your boil and stand there and hold it. And as it uh, got cool and condensed, it would suck out. You felt like you were going to go genie in the bottle. In reverse. Um, Boil. I don't know if that kind of boil Job had enough, but they were not good. And Job did not curse God. His friends came, they were no help. Critical, mean. But he held to his integrity. He held to his integrity. And God could say, Job is serving me because he loves me. Job is worshiping me because he loves me. Job has not turned his back on me. Job has not cursed me. No. I wonder. Now, 
We're not Job. We're a couple thousand years removed from there. But I wonder if, if the devil maybe having a little contest with you and me with God. Warren Heckman only serves you because you have blessed him. He certainly has. Take away something. Take away his health and energy and, and let him suffer physically and he won't be such a happy person. I wonder if that could happen in your life, young or old. And God has so much confidence in you. God has so much trust in you. God has so much faith in you that he has allowed the devil, allowed the devil to cause you grief and sorrow and pain and suffering and you're still serving up. You're still serving up. How do you celebrate? How does all joy? Not so much. It's hard. Then we can jump to the New Testament. That's the Apostle Paul. I think the Apostle Paul is perhaps the greatest Christian ever. And he tells his story in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, he was given an affliction and he cried out to the Lord three times for it to be removed. Second uh, Corinthians 12, then verse 8. I implored the Lord three times that this might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in your weakness. Listen to Paul. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me or on me. Could it be that God not only did that with the Apostle Paul, and, and I certainly wouldn't classify myself anywhere near the Apostle Paul, but we are Christians, we are believers, we are sitting down. And would the devil still be up to his old tricks? I don't know. But it helps me kind of comprehend what suffering may be all about in my life. That maybe God is saying, He'll serve me no matter what. He'll worship me no matter what. It doesn't matter how good it goes or how bad it goes, he'll still worship me. He'll limp along like a couple long Cassidy or whatever, but he'll still worship me. I want to be that kind of a Christian. Every morning I'm praying for healing. Every day I'm thanking God for healing. <laughs> Until something happens, I'll keep popping along. Um, let me close. When we go through a hard time, we can learn a lot. One of the things we can learn is when we see other people going through hard times, to just stand with them. Young person, old person, in-between person, just stand with them. Not a whole lot of advice, not a whole lot of counsel, not a, not a joke comforter. Will you ever stop your windy words? But sometimes just put an arm around the person. You know, when someone's going through a tough time financially, there's no encouragement like a $100 bill. Oh, I don't have a $100 bill. Well, we'll draw another one. When someone's going through a hard time, there's nothing like just <clears throat> saying I'm praying for you. Not a lot of spiritual advice and food. When we have or are going through a hard time, we're supposed to count it all joy. Well, it does give us empathy for someone else. We can understand. And to realize it may not be sin, disobedience, rebellion, it's just, you know, in heaven we'll find out or probably in heaven it won't matter. We'll forget. But I am saying probably we all go through hard times. Don't let the devil condemn you. You've sinned. Well, if you've sinned, repent. If you've made bad decisions, that can bring on suffering. Okay, turn those decisions around as best you can. If you've hurt somebody, apologize. Ask forgiveness. 
don't let the devil tell you and condemn you and crush you and put you down. Because the Lord wants to lift us up even though we go through hard times. Anything else? Let's stand for prayer. Thank you for listening. Now, this is not a Tell all, but I have a new empathy for people suffering. And it can be emotional, psychological, narratively, financially. Anybody here suffering right now? Any problem? This might be a perfect place for you. Okay, I'll ask you for We We don't do suffering at times. Yeah, we do. And it, it shouldn't embarrass us. We're just going through a tough time, and a lot of times we don't know why not. We are serving God. And yet, we're going through a tough time in some Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, that <clears throat> those who have slipped up their hand going through a tough time, we don't need to know because you know. We don't have to have any information because you know it all. Lord, together as a church, we would pray for them, that you would strengthen them, you would help them, you would bring them through it. If it's sickness or, or some kind of pain, you would heal them. If it's financial, you would raise up the funds that they need. If it's marital, you'd bring healing to them. On and on and on, Lord, whatever it might be. You are greater than all. So we ask for the blessing, your help, in Jesus' name, for each one that might be suffering. Bless this congregation. Let them continue to go forward and reach this county in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Can we say thank you to the